that's why I just encourage people try because you will you'll start out and you'll grow like one plant and you'll be like oh I'm a baby and you'll take care of it and 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 it'll satisfy something inside of you first off it'll get you right here in the soul and then you'll taste it and you'll be like I did this and then you'll have this sense of satisfaction and you'll realize that wow this actually tastes good and this makes me feel good and then next year you've got two or three plants or or maybe a whole container garden you know start and do what you can do wherever you are if you're in an apartment grow a container garden if you're renting see if your landlord will let you put a garden in if you own your own property for the love of pete go out and play in the dirt this is the farm hop life podcast a traveling homestead family i'm matt derosier on the farm hop life podcast we learn what it takes to grow your own food from everyday people could be a college student grows tomatoes and salad greens on their apartment patio, a former VP of marketing for Del Taco now raising cattle in Montana, or someone who hasn't had a homestead in over 10 years. This show is aimed at teaching you what it takes to make homesteading work for you, that we all make mistakes, we all have bad days, but we can reach out and help one another thrive in giving you the confidence needed to go feed yourself. I've had a hectic afternoon coming home from work, but you've had a hectic couple of days my mine's a little bit shorter so i'll share what happened within like the last couple hours and then uh you can you can share the last couple days <laughs> days just sounds nuts i get home and i uh i call my parents and so i'm like they they haven't been here in a couple of weeks because they live in a different state so i'm like showing them around i'm like whoa like check this out like there's a couple of snakes here on the property and that I, oh, I found one little one last year, like almost nothing. And these were completely different. And so I, um, but they're all tangled up. They're all tangled what up. What are they tangled in? Like this plastic uh, netting, basically, uh, that's supposed to keep like birds out or something. And so it's, so I'm dealing with that. And like my, my kids around and I'm not really familiar with the snakes. So I'm like, I got to. I got to get him inside. And then my daughter's constipated. And so like we had to deal with like getting her to try to go and she's up so upset. And then I had to put my son down for, for bed before coming to do this thing. So yeah, it's, it's been a, did you, did you figure rough. out what kind of snake you were dealing with? I think they're gopher snakes. So like they'll eat like squirrels and rabbits. I don't think they eat chickens, but they'll definitely eat chicken eggs. Um, I was going to say they might eat chicks. I mean, usually if they'll eat something like that, you know, like yeah. a small mammal, they'll take your chicks out. So yeah, we you, do not have chicks. But, um, I'm probably going to try to get them untangled and move them somewhere else, like an open field somewhere else. So, Gotcha. We actually, um, so you've had a hectic evening for sure, um, but we had... Um, just just craziness and we talked to our neighbor our cat we thought had been run over but she didn't really show any signs of being run over she just had blood coming from her mouth and she had run up to the house and so we actually um after talking to the neighbor he was like no no i didn't run her over i, I would tell you you know so we think maybe she was snake bit we think that's very possible oh, we saw geez. a copperhead this season already and so i think she was doing her morning thing and going out into the tall grass and got her I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just guessing it's been, we took that really hard. I mean, some of our animals are kind of farm animals and some of our animals are pets. 
and that was right. that was our pet and that was hard we'd had her i mean we've known her since she was born she was itty bitty little thing she was a rescue so it's been that was traumatic but nothing like having the skunk come up and spray all of my female rabbits <laughs> oh my gosh the smell it doesn't even smell like skunk when it's in your backyard right next to your back door oh, i mean it gross. smelled like something was on fire it was insane I've got pictures of just dunking rabbits. I was just, I was dunking rabbits, just getting them clean. Poor things. They just looked, they looked miserable. It's been crazy. <laughs> Isn't that stuff like, it's like oily, right? Like it's not. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've it, never it been on. sprayed and haven't had a pet or animal that's gotten sprayed. So I'm not, I don't know. How, what, I, what do you even do? Can you even fix that? I hope you never Dawn do. dish soap? Um, we use Dawn baking soda, um, some vinegar, and then afterward, I was very careful. I took a rag with some peroxide and rubbed between their eyes, got their ears. We knocked the stink back really, really well with that. That was fantastic. And we, we took the leftover water and threw it in the pen where the, the spraying had occurred, and that knocked the smell out from the pen. So it actually was, it was a lot of work, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. It wasn't like oh, tomato good. juice everywhere and carnage, you know, <laughs> so that was yeah. good. That's funny. But yeah, it's been nuts and I need to get my garden in the ground, you know, and I've, I mean, I've got my, my early spring stuff still out, but I've got broccoli I need to harvest and replace with peppers. And I just, there hasn't been time. It's been chaos. I've got kids graduating, birthdays happening. It's just fish tanks breaking or something like that. Oh, yeah. But then, thank God we, we have a 50 gallon, a 10 gallon and a three gallon tank. And thank God it was a three gallon tank. So, um, but it was just nuts. I had a, I had a, just a touch of food poisoning. We had, we never like rarely ever eat out. And so we were, we had ordered in because we had the, the rabbit sprayed by the skunk and we were like, tonight we're just going to splurge. Right. Oh, it made me ill. And so while oh, I'm no. absolutely sick in the bathroom, right. My fish tanks emptying right outside the bathroom door. So I come out and there's like, oh, I don't know, an inch. There's an inch of water in that tank. There's like something like 60 little guppies and they're flopping around. I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, I was pouring water. It was crazy. It was crazy. So I don't know. It's It's been nuts. And I felt like so much of it was just like in, intense and all at once. And I was like, I just want to do this podcast. Everything stop. <laughs> this is so cool. <laughs> I want to be part of this, you know. So thank you for well, having me. I'm super excited. Well, thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, it's no problem to to bump it uh, a day or a week or whatever, whatever people have time for, because stuff happens all the time. So yeah, life gets yeah. crazy. So you're in East Tennessee, you said? Yes. Yes. And just right in you, the foothills of the mountains. Hey, that's pretty cool. Beautiful. You you did own, but you said that you had to move to rent. So, but you're still doing homesteading stuff where you're at. I am. I am. Um, we happen to have a, an excellent company we're working with. They're very much like if you keep up your garden and you take care of it, have your garden. They don't care anything about it. Nice. So um, we started out with a just um, like a container garden. We used five gallon buckets the first year. We moved here in March. Um the first year we got here. So it was like, it was on like Donkey Kong. There was no time to plant or anything, you know, and if we wanted our own veggies, it was container garden. And so it was where we started and it, we built um, raised beds because we cannot till where we are. So everything we have is either a raised bed or no till. Um, and it's done, uh, it's been abundant. It's been great. It's a really, really wonderful alternative for renters because it's easily removed as well. 
Sure. I mean, if we needed to move, uh, literally pull everything up, throw some grass seed down and head on, we're done. You right. know, it's easy peasy. So um, it's, it's nice so to be able to do that. What, what were you, what was your situation before you moved? Okay. Well, this was a long time ago. Um, initially back when I was um, in my early twenties, I was homesteading um, back then and we lived, I mean, I'm not entirely off grid. We still had electricity. We still had running water, but um, we milked goats. Um, we made our own cheese. We grew a garden. We canned everything. We called our own chickens. Um, and we did all of that on about an acre and a half. And that was a family of five. So like wow. people need to not be discouraged. Just if you have a little bit of land, you just need to know what to do with it. You know, mm -hmm. you need to really stop and think about like, how can I set this up to benefit and get the most abundance out of it? And once you do that and you figure it out, it becomes a well-oiled machine. So, I mean, it's going to break down sometimes, those well-oiled machines do. But you can get it there. You just got to keep at it. People think you have to have all this land and you've got to have this and that. You, there are different layers. You can go, mm -hmm. you know, there are different depths that you can dive into homesteading. It doesn't have to be all in. You know, just get your feet into it. Get started. Right. Are you Are you able to share what the situation was that that made you move or do you want well, to pass okay. over that it, no i'm so sorry uh, yeah keep me on task i'll wander um, no no i love i love wandering <laughs> that's fine um actually i i had a son that had a genetic disorder um and he had a lot of health issues at birth and we were talking like just trying to keep the kid alive he had a feeding tube he had a heart monitor i mean it was rough we didn't know what was going on we didn't have a diagnosis and so um it was just for two years. I don't think I slept. I really don't think I slept for like two years. I kept his crib in the living room and I just lived, lived on the couch and it was exhausting. But um, it was just so much that I couldn't keep up with the homesteading. I also had two toddlers at that time, two toddler girls that I was um, starting to introduce homeschooling to, starting them young. They were just, they were really eager to read and, and learn. And so I, of course I want to give them everything I can. So that ended up um, being kind of what stopped us from homesteading. And we, we lived a much more traditional life. We still did a garden. We still canned um, all of that, but I couldn't go out and milk the goats twice a day and, and all of that. That's, that's yeah. labor intensive. Um, so we ended up just kind of stopping all of that. I ended up getting divorced and that was why I left. We, we both just let the house go and, and just went separate ways. Sure. Now he went on to live his dream, built himself his little, shack near stream he's a very happy man and that's wonderful and i've gone on to live my dream because you know i that's not exactly what i want <laughs> so i'm living far closer to what i want than what we had originally been working towards i like to be comfortable <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind um sharing a little bit more about your 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 son's birth so how long was he in the nicu because both of my kids were in the NICU. One was 10 days and the other was two months. He was only in the NICU for 10 days as well. Okay. Um, he came home and then we went, um, I think within, good no, I must have been about a week or so. Um, we ended up back in Children's Hospital and he was there for five more weeks. Um, he ended up having something called a Nissen fundiplication done. So um, he was, uh, his esophageal sphincter didn't work. And so he would reflux and then aspirate. So they wrapped his stomach around his esophagus and um, 
sewed it in place to create an artificial esophageal sphincter. So he actually cannot vomit, which is really interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Bless his heart. It's rough sometimes because sometimes you need to, you know, and so it, it does make it scary because there are things like, you know, oh, if what if he gets poisoned? So we keep, um, you know, sure. uh, activated charcoal and things like that on hand all the time. But, you know, it's just something he's 16 now. He's actually about to have a birthday. So it's uh, nice. We've come a long way. I was way. just going to ask how he's how he's doing now. So that's awesome. Yeah, he when he was six, he was diagnosed with a genetic disorder. So he he has interstitial duplication um, of his 15th chromosome, Q, 13.3. So basically the long arm of his um, 13th chromosome is duplicated. It's got a tiny little duplication in it. And um, you wouldn't think it would cause all kinds of uh, a mess, but it does. And um, it happens to be the piece that um, controls genetic and hereditary schizophrenia. So he's actually schizophrenic. Oh, geez. Yeah, pretty interesting stuff. It messes up a whole host of things. <laughs> wow. I yep. suppose if you think about like everything, like all the little bits and pieces, and if there's one little something that's not aligned, man. Yeah, messes you up. Now, it could wow. be a lot worse if that piece, some people have the piece and it's um, flipped so it's upside down and those people um typically have spontaneous death at some point in their life so yay for not having it what? flipped upside down yeah that is so weird yeah it's nuts and i had no idea they flew us out to baylor in texas to study him he was like the 187th person on earth diagnosed with it now since then though in the last you know, 10 years, there's thousands of people that have been diagnosed, but sure. they didn't know what they were looking for until this genetic stuff started coming out. And um, it gave us a lot of answers, answered a lot of strange kind of questions that we had about our, our little man. He's doing great though now. So no complaints. He'll be all right. It's just his path. Sure. Good. Well, it seems like, seems like you have a, a good attitude and things like look look good about it so overall like trending up and maintaining yeah. course so that's good it is good it is good it's um it's interesting and it's hard to find people that can relate to it um but you know everybody's got something everybody's got something that is true everybody does have something <laughs> um so going back a little bit before that even how did you get started into homesteading um, you know, <laughs> you know, like grandma, great grandma, we live. Okay. So I grew up bouncing all over the States. We moved every two years. I was born in Wyoming, but I lived in Chicago. I lived in downtown Colorado Springs, which was excellent back in the nineties. Let me tell you, sure. it was neat, uh, but nothing to do with farmsteading, nothing to do with growing. We ended up, my parents, my mom and my stepdad got a wild hair and decided they were going to move us out to the middle of nowhere, South Dakota. South Dakota. <laughs> and we went out and lived on a 140 acre farm and learned what farming was really about. And we had, um, we raised cattle, we um, raised chickens, we had a sheep named Mint Jelly. <laughs> I mean, we really went all in. But I didn't learn how to garden then, believe it or not. That was just where I learned animal husbandry. Um, gardening just came through uh, probably, I would say, my ex husband. He was, had a very green thumb and um, just an innate desire to learn. This is one of those life skills you can teach, like you can be taught, you can learn it. You know what I mean? You don't have to just naturally have a green thumb. You can cultivate a green thumb. Mm -hmm. 
yeah so, that makes that makes sense but yeah that sounds crazy um was your like was your like dad in the military or something like that like why was he moving every two years he was opening new service masters all over the united states this was back when service master was a big company they were like um like the cleanup crews that come in and clean up after fires or um okay major disasters so that he would go around and open the new storefronts and then they'd move him to the next place and he would go there and do it so gotcha okay that's that's an interesting career path uh or job i suppose that's hmm. <laughs> he's a weird one he um he ended up <laughs> getting out of that and then raising he he ran a group home for years and years and years so yeah All i right. don't know not not the choices i would make <laughs> But you know, it's his life and his path, and do your thing, Daddy O. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, hey, the so then you like what what motivates you to do it on your own then? To to have had the goats, to do the garden, to have the rabbits. I I don't know. I can't I can't explain it. I think because I feel so innately connected to that we need to know where our food's coming from. You know, when I lived in the inner cities as a kid, people didn't know where their food came from. It comes from the grocery store. Negative, my friends. No, it does not. <laughs> it came from that farmer's field right there. I don't know. I don't, it's just something deeply within me. It's, it's soul satisfying and I feel better. You know, I've got a mess. I can't eat garbage. I feel horrible. You know, I've got to eat my fruits and veggies and like good clean meat. It just can't treat my body like it's trash. I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. I, I actually wrote that one down. It's soul satisfying. It Love is. It, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I walk my garden every morning. I am every morning, especially in the summertime when I don't have to take the kids to school because we do still use public education here. Our, our public education system where we live happens to be just top tier. They're just wonderful. And especially for it's important. That's my son, by the way. It's very important that he um, be able to get the best education that can be offered to him. And I, I don't feel like that would come from me at this point in his education. Sure. So, um, but in the summertime, at seven o'clock in the morning, I'm out in the garden with a cup of coffee, you know, and that's my time. That is, that is my time. And I'm out there barefoot and in the dirt and it just feels so good. So satisfying. Yeah. I, I do really do like trying to do like at least like one small chore um, in the morning before I have to end up going to work. And it's just, I love that. I love that morning time. It's a lot of, it's just, everything's quiet. Yeah, it's the best part of the day for me. I am definitely a morning person. I'm trying to train my body to sleep in on the weekends. I'm not working. It's not working yet, but I'm trying. <laughs> you think two years without sleep, it would take any opportunity to make up for it. I think I've already done that. I've done a good deal of sleeping, but their <laughs> naps are underrated. People do not give naps the respect they deserve. That's true. You want to really blow your mind, um, drink a cup of coffee and take a nap in that order and then you'll wake up take a power nap 20 minutes 30 minutes don't go through your full cycle just like you know just before you get to REM sleep get back up boy you want to talk about energy you'll be going <laughs> i'm gonna have to try that then because i shot. seem to i'm seem to oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna lay down for 20 minutes now it's 30 minutes now it's an hour whoops it was two hours and then <laughs> that doesn't mm -hmm. happen all the time so i just try not to 
unless I'm really dragging, I try not to take a nap. Yeah, I'm, I I hate to be the person that takes the siesta in the middle of the day, but I've got to lay it out. I have to just give me give me an hour to just lay down sure. and it, yeah. it makes my evenings a lot better. And that's how my day is broken up. It's like, you know, a.m. is pre nap and p.m. is post nap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it works for me. So. So. Going back to a little bit on the education you had planned on homeschooling your daughters and then everything kind of happened and then they ended up going into the public school system. How, what did that feel like to you? Well, we homeschooled, my oldest was in fifth grade. Um, my middle daughter was in third grade and it, it felt good because they both were reading and, um, you know, I mean, obviously at that age, they were like well above where they should be. They actually struggled a little bit socially fitting in with their peers just because educationally they were much, much further ahead. True. Um, but it, it paid off in the long run. They're both very successful young ladies. Um, and it didn't, it felt like a loss at the time, but looking back on it and knowing the school system that I put them into, I feel much less bad about it. You know, we weren't in the inner city. We, we aren't. Um, we're, we're somewhere where, like, I, I have my my teachers, my kids' teachers on on text message. You know, if I need something, I can reach out. It, it's that kind of rapport here. It's still very small town. Um, everybody, if something happens, people band together here. So that it's different than a lot of places. So I don't feel so much like it was a loss. I feel very Good. much like it was... Um, people who genuinely in our community who genuinely care about kids have been with my children and that counts for a lot. Good. That's that I could see how that could kind of tear you up. Like I told myself I was gonna, uh, I told myself I was gonna homeschool you and I just, now I'm coming back on my word and I just can't do it for X, Y, and Z. But in the end, like it all works out kind of thing. Yeah, it, it, it messed with me a little bit when I was younger. I've reached this place of just being like, you know, it is what it is. There's power in letting go. Just You just kind of got to just let, ride the waves, you know? You can't control everything. And yeah. there are some things that you're going to have to sacrifice. You're, you know, and you're like, no, I don't want to give that up. But, you know, maybe you need to. Maybe there's a reason for it. I don't know exactly what that reason was. Um, but I do know they told me that, like, I was never going to read and write. And he's going to graduate with a diploma. <laughs> you know, don't just do your best and don't beat yourself up. You know, work, work as a team. If you've got a team that, that can work with you and cares about your kids, like go all in, give it everything you've got and work it work together. Teamwork's important. It's underrated as well. <laughs> <laughs> Teamwork and naps. Teamwork and naps, man. Notice that's what keeps the world going. <laughs> that's funny. So your uh can you go a little bit in depth on on your rabbits? Um okay. like what what kind of like kind of what kind of breed of rabbit do you have? Um what kind of, like what's your like breeding program or and how long have you had rabbits? You know, the rabbits came to us um really unexpectedly and really unintentionally. Um we have a very large New Zealand meat rabbit um buck and he is albino and he's uh, got a, an incredibly great and gentle personality. Um, we did have um, a, another New Zealand meat rabbit for him to breed with, but she actually passed away. And I don't know what killed her. 
And that really bothered me. I never figured that out. So um, we hadn't planned to get any more. This that <laughs> the buck came to us from the kid's grandma. She had him. She didn't want him take him or we're going to eat him. And Susie, of course, is, oh, God, don't eat my rabbit. So, <laughs> so boom, we have a rabbit. Um, then we ended up having um, someone give us a lop-eared rabbit. Um, so she's a bunny. I mean, she's not she's not a meat rabbit. She's little, uh, just a little thing. Sweetest can be absolutely in love with this New Zealand meat rabbit. <laughs> and so we let them breed and have um, have a litter. We ended up with five beautiful, healthy albino babies and one that was colored like the mama and didn't make it. Oh. So um, we don't intend to breed her anymore. I would like to get another New Zealand um, for him to breed with eventually. But honestly, at this point, um, the rabbit thing is kind of on the back burner. I don't care for the taste of rabbit. I would much rather sure. be raising chickens. <laughs> I much prefer that. But they're there because if that ever, if things ever reach that point, you know, we're going to eat rabbit. And that's just how it is. Um Thankfully, the babies are big enough that um, we could raise them to eat them. I don't know what bunny would taste like. I have no idea. <laughs> so, you know. Bony, probably. Right, right. So and they're soft. already oh, the bony. Fur. The fur is so soft on those, though. Could you imagine the pillows you could make? I'm just saying. <laughs> so soft. <laughs> Terrible. Slippers. Oh, slippers. Yes. <laughs> Put them on your feet every day. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's funny. Um, but we, um, I would recommend rabbits for or people who are starting. They're an easy, easy one to keep. If you just keep up with them, keep, you know, take, make sure they're taking care of food and water, a pen to be in, and you usually can go do pretty well with them. They're a pretty stable animal. They don't require a lot of veterinary care or um, anything like that. They're pretty easy. They're pretty easy to, to deal with. Although I did hear that, um, you cannot live on rabbit alone. So make sure you've got a garden. <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's because of the fat because they're so lean. Yeah, there's no fat. In order yeah. to get them to gain weight, then then they just get a little fat at their neck. They get a fat pooch right here and they don't, they don't grow. They don't like get fat in the mm. body. So that's weird. Yeah. I didn't know that because I have seen that on like those, uh, on the, like, mm -hmm. those New Zealand ones before. Yep. So. That's how you know you've got a fat, healthy rabbit. They got a big old double chin. I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling that all day, man. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's funny. Oh yeah. So so you're gonna try to get out of rabbits and move into chickens. Um is the is your infrastructure at the place you're renting uh set up for that? Well, um the rabbits and the chickens could basically the pens that we have set up for the rabbits could very easily be transitioned into chickens. For right now, we're going to stay with rabbits until we we get to a bigger place. I don't want to raise chickens here. I don't feel like I could give them what they deserve and raise the kind of chickens. I don't want um, to have to buy a lot of feed for my chickens. I prefer to free range my chickens. You know, I don't mind to supplement, but they need to be out eating natural, healthy stuff. We can't really provide that for them here. You know, we're on a half acre we're renting. I don't even know. I, I, that's that's a line I haven't crossed with my landlord. <laughs> so I'm not 100% sure that I want to cross. Oh, that wasn't a rooster. I don't know what you heard. <laughs> you know, I don't want to yeah. do that. Um, I, I don't think they would have a problem with it, but I don't feel like I could give 
more than maybe three hens a decent existence with this, the current setup that we have. Now we do have a wonderful setup for rabbits. They have a big, beautiful run. They've got lovely hutches. Um, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. They're living the life. You have no idea. <laughs> Spoiled little things. But um, yeah, chickens right now, that's going to have to wait for a little bit. So is a sure. greenhouse, which is really making me sad. <laughs> I need more land. <laughs> just just an acre bit. and a half. That's it. Just that's an all acre I need. Yep. Yeah. Just, I could give me an acre and watch what I could do. But it needs to be mine. That's that's the problem that we're running into now is I don't want to have to ask for permission to do what I want to do. Right. You know, if we owned this plot, it would be set up very, very differently because I wouldn't have to care what anyone's opinions or thoughts or, hey, you can't do that. You know, I would just do it. True. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That is like talking to my brother, my little brother wanted to put in a fence and he needed to get like a for his house and wanted to he needed to get like a permit from the city and blah 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 i just rolled my eyes and it's like yeah i built a shed out of pallets and i didn't ask anybody <laughs> yeah you didn't have to ask a soul and, and we do like a lot of that as it is we we like you know we have a big compost heap in the back you know we we um cultivate manure is what we call it the rabbit manure because uh, it's yeah. a nice cold fertilizer so it makes fantastic compost makes just your garden will love it. That's another good perk to the rabbits. They do have cold fertilizer for days. <laughs> so, right. you know, and so we do have that set up and, um, you know, I, I think they actually kind of get a kick out of us. That's, that's really what I think. I think they kind of like us. I, I know I met the, uh, there was a worker that had come in and, uh, he saw our garden and it, this was from our, our rental company. And he was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. And, uh, he'd never seen a loofah before. So I gave him a loofah mm. and I said, go home, let this dry out and peel it and all that and, and, and save your seeds and all. So he comes back like two days later with a bag full of Scotch bonnet peppers, <laughs> which was really sweet. But what do you do with a bag full of Scotch bonnet peppers? But he was like, here, I wanted to share. And so, you know, it's like, okay, like these, there are other people like us out there and yeah. it's wonderful. There I, needs to be more people with small gardens, in my opinion. I agree. I, I don't, I don't grow loofah. I got, I, I have a buddy that does, he lives down in Alabama and he's like, you need like 120 growing days to grow a loofah. And I'm like, maybe got a hundred. And so they're, they're really not for me. Uh, but man, they look weird and you like open it up and like just dump it out. And like all those seeds just fall like right out of the middle. That's so weird. They do. They do. And they're wonderful because you can use them for everything from washing yourself to washing the dishes. Those things are amazing. They come in handy. I've used them a million times in a million different ways. And every time I'm like, this was really worth growing. <laughs> so we're not doing them this year, though. Um, I had one that came up out of I started a four pack because they take over the earth. They're, they're just oh. vines for they're huge vines and so i only started four one came up and i planted it out and uh, a hailstorm came through and took it out and so oh, i no. went okay well it's okay <laughs> because i still have some i haven't shucked from last year i haven't peeled and cut up and i i dip mine in bleach water and then air dry them to just make sure that they're completely sanitized before i store them sure so i'm not worried about it but it was pretty cool that somebody hadn't seen lupa before and i ended up getting a bag of scotch bonnet peppers out of it <laughs> you know yeah, that is pretty funny. So what 
what are some things that you have tried that have worked well? So like the rabbit poop has worked well, the raised yeah. beds have worked well. Um, the rabbits are working well, but they're just not, not a good fit for you because just, just don't they like the taste and that's fine. Them, yeah. yeah. And you know, it was not a problem finding homes for them, but I don't know how long it would take before I saturated the market in our little bitty town. So I don't plan to, uh, to continue churning out buns until we need to. We, we do have um, two females now and a male, but um, what has worked really, really well in my garden sounds completely nuts, but it's electro um, gardening basically. And what we do is take copper wire and we, we wrap them around our stakes that are going in the garden. So we grew like 12 foot tall okra last year and we cured the okra stalks um, over the winter to use as stakes in the garden this year. And we've taken those and wrapped them with the copper wire all the way up them. And then you stick them, you wanna plant them at least eight inches in the ground. So like your stake needs to be really down in there. And then you're just gonna leave the top up. And basically what it does is pulls free ions out of the air and like reintroduces them to your soil. We use a lot of iron in our beds. We don't realize it when you're using your shovels, if you're using steel and stuff, it messes with the, um, the magnetics in the earth every mm. time you stick metal into the soil. So what this does is help rebalance the electromagnetics within the ground. And um, I know that last year my loofah had two, I had two pods and I planted a stake. I saw a video about it and I planted one of the stakes and we ended up harvesting 27 off of that plant. Um, my, um, what were they called? That my eggplant last year was producing into November, the end of November. I was still pulling eggplant last year. And they I mean, abundant that like each plant would have like five or seven on them. I mean, we were drowning in eggplants. Um, That's a lot of eggplant. My, yeah. Yeah. You should see my potato bed this year. I mean, the thing is boom. And it's because it's in a raised bed and we wrapped the copper wire down and ran it into the soil on the four posts um, of the bed just takes just taken off goes like mad my cabbage is massive okay i gotta i gotta look this up electro gardening look up electro gardening yeah okay so so you need what like a ground rod and then you need to then wrap the copper wire around the plant itself to like no. kind of Mm -mm, don't you don't even want to put the copper on the plant a lot of plants don't like the direct contact with copper okay um you can like if you have it wrapped around the stake and say you want to use that stake to like tie your tomato up to my my tomatoes were completely fine with that but if you like were to like say wrap the copper wire around the plant itself they they really don't like that okay so In some of them it looks like there's like a like a like a cone shape off of the off of the ground rod you can right? you really don't you you can do all of that you can make it as fancy as you want but i'm telling you just simply wrapping the copper around that and sticking it into the ground last year my rods were maybe three maybe four foot tall this year they're 12 foot tall i'm i'm really excited to see what happens um but just having your ground rod rods are 12 feet tall mm-hmm Holy yeah. smokes, what are you using for ground rods? Um, my cured okra uh, stems from last season. We pulled them and oh, cured them okay. over the winter and then I wrapped see. them. 
Yeah. So they make so there's terrific like a solid. There's a solid rod in the dirt, and then there's like an antenna almost like that goes up into the. I'm, I'm telling Air? you, it's really this simple. Just take your, whatever your garden steak is that you're using. I don't care if it's bamboo, use wood. I don't care if it's an old tobacco steak, uh, okra steak, and simply take, um, what we do is um, my husband works on pressure washers. And so he brings home any like little pieces of wire, whatever that's left over, and he strips them for me. And that's all we use. We now we don't just use them individually. We do put them together in bundles of you know five or ten, however much you've got. So five or ten strands, and then we wrap that. You can you can also use a thicker piece of copper, but we just wrap that around the rod and plant the rod eight inches deep at least, and then have the rest of it sticking in the air. That's huh. it. I'll, I'll I'll take a picture and throw it on Twitter for you right. in the next couple of days. But that's it. I know it sounds simple and it sounds like oh this is absolutely hokum, right? Try it. I got to try it. I got to try it. Try it and report back your findings. You will be like, this is cool. (laughs) It's neat. That's why I said it's one of those token ones. (laughs) You know what? Whatever. If it uh, just good vibes, right? (laughs) Good vibes. Sing to your plants. Pet on them. Tell them they're pretty. They like it. They just treat them like it's a woman. You know, good girl. You're beautiful. (laughs) Gotta do. Funny. Good. Oh, I wish I was kidding. (laughs) Whatever you gotta do, right? To get to get uh, your eggplant running. Um, what's some stuff that didn't work? Um, smoking anywhere near my garden. I smoke cigarettes. Smoking? Okay. Do not smoke in your garden. Do not smoke in your garden. Do not smoke in your garden. Um, tobacco carries, um, tomato blight. So when you smoke in your garden, you can inadvertently give tomato blight to your, um, to your tomatoes. You really do not want to do that. It will, um, people think they're getting blossom end rot. It is not. You have given your garden, um, or given your tomatoes a blight from the, from your tobacco use. Wash your hands, consider putting on, like maybe getting yourself a garden shirt. I got some extra big scrub tops that I can just throw on over whatever I'm wearing. Wash up, go out. You got giant pockets, the stuff full of whatever you've harvested. And that way I'm keeping my nicotine away from it. Hmm. So hopefully it works. Good if tip. not, I'm going to have to quit the darn things. <laughs> it's, this isn't anyway. an episode of The Simpsons where they sell tobacco or whatever. Oh, isn't that funny? I oh, I remember that. Yeah, they crossbred tomatoes and uh, tobacco, and it was like highly addictive tomatoes, essentially. Yeah, that's very very interesting because a lot of and people don't know that really, but a, a lot of diseases that tobacco can carry will directly affect your tomato plants. So mm. be careful. Um, let me see. I'm trying to remember what else I made notes. Um, <laughs> I like it prepared. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been totally stoked about this. Um, What worked, what didn't work, where are you at? Um, Yeah, I'm trying to think what else hasn't worked. Um, Oh, I know. Okay, there it is. Uh, Early over, like planting your garden too early. Be careful about that. Make sure that you, when you're starting, that you don't... um, throw out the wrong things at the wrong time. A lot of people get really excited. And as soon as some of the starts come out, they've got them out. Well, there's usually a frost or two coming and and it's very dependent upon your area, but don't let 
the little boogers, like bring them home and put them on your windowsill and vibe with them for a bit. Do not go out and throw them in the ground until you know you're past your first frost because I have buggered up some some seasons doing that. You know, waiting to harvest my my uh, tomatoes until September is not fun. Although it was nicer canning in September, I will say that. <laughs> Far less hot. Was, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to think what else hasn't worked. Um, don't beat yourself up if you if you have to use um, something that's non-organic. For the first time at this garden, I had to use uh, granules to get rid of cutworms. I couldn't, mm. nothing was killing them. And I mean, you'd take a shovel full of dirt and there'd be three cutworms in it. They destroyed my, um, all my gourds last year, just wrecked them. But it seemed like overnight. So if you have to do something like that, do it to the bare minimum. Don't <laughs> beat yourself up. This is still better than getting it out of the grocery store. Even with that. Agreed. Um, and. And then we, we use um, a lot of, if we're going to have to use a pesticide, I try to use insecticidal soap. Um, I've also used diatomaceous earth. That seems to help with some things. But. Yeah, it's very multi-purpose. It is. It's a great, it's a great thing. Um, I think for a lot of people, it, it can be really intimidating and, and you're going to find things that don't work all the time. So just remember them and move on, you know, just, you got to find the things that work because there are probably more things that don't work than do, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do and go wrong. It's easy to over fertilize. It's easy to um, over water. That's a chronic issue. I've, I've learned that you let your plants suffer a little bit, let them dig deep. The deeper they go, the better they'll do. Just like a human. Sometimes you kind of got to go through it to get strong. So do they. That's true. It's very true. If you baby them too much, they'll mm -hmm. just won't make it what's the uh a lot of people talk about i think it's mark shepherd's stun method sheer and total utter neglect or something like whatever ignore them babies <laughs> yeah some people like it works for him doesn't work for other people so um i mean you might have to help him along a little bit but well it's really dependent on where you are it really is. Yeah. It, what what are your growing conditions? You know, are you going to get the rain that they need to 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 be able to do that? Or are you going to have to supplement? You know, you really have to pick it by where you're at, by how you grow. So figure out what your grow zone is and look at the things that will work. And if you look around people, it's all over online. Just just take a few minutes. Google, you know. Yeah. I once ordered a couple of giant sequoia saplings here. Just because I thought it would be really funny a hundred years from now that we have these giant trees and some like who planted giant sequoias here. Well, I don't think they would have survived even if I didn't screw it up because I didn't. Uh, I was it was like my first first time like ordering plants in the mail and like the roots were like all like bound up. I didn't like fan them out and so they just didn't take and. Uh, we're one zone too cold, mm -hmm. I think. So that wouldn't, that wouldn't have worked. And also, uh, we don't get enough rain. So they take a ton of rain. They do take a ton of rain. So I don't think they would have worked at all. Um, I Probably mean, not, but it would have been, but cold. man, that would have been really funny. Oh, to have giant sequoias in the, on the property. Oh, uh, you've got me wanting to plant some. I bet they would grow down here in Appalachia. 
I bet there I are think, places they could in the Smokies where it's all foggy and steamy. Good. Um, there's, I think that's also like an elevation thing because they're up pretty high. Uh, the are giant they? sequoias. Yeah, it's like I want to say it's like something like eight thousand feet is where they're growing. I have never been. I would love to go. That's something I would love to see. I've never actually seen them in real life. We just went in September because um, the the year before they had all like that fire risk. And so like they were wrapping those trees in like fire blankets, essentially oh, wow. trying to save them. My wife's like, we should go before something happens to them and like they're gone. And, you know, who knows, right? You know, they'll throw millions of dollars at saving these trees because it's like ton of revenue for um for california right but uh but yeah they're there's crazy it's like they don't even look real they look they're so big wow. and we were we were watching the the craziest thing that i learned we were on this little like boardwalk it's uh it's called trail of the cedars and there's like it's not like the biggest ones but there's like a bunch of them along this boardwalk and there's like little placards every so so many yards and there was one where it was like this this stump here or whatever uh you're looking at is from a tree that had fallen in 1971 or something and there was like a park like park service that was like they were there right because that's not that long ago it's 50 years the park service has been around longer than that so they had heard it crash and they said it sounded like thunder when it when it broke and oh, I bet. and so they ran over like you know they after the tree fell they came and investigated and there was just water gushing out of this tree like oh, wow. gallons and gallons and gallons of water gushing out of this tree and the other crazy thing that they said about this is that they went to put their hand on it on the inside it was ice cold wow yeah so weird and so that like is so all weird. that i wonder yeah why. all that storage of water i don't know like they're just must be like very well insulated and yeah maybe maybe the groundwater that they're that it's that they're that's being like feeding them is that cold well, or something i don't know I've heard that when trees get filled with water like that, what's happened is that up in their higher branches, they actually have one that like maybe broke away and pulled away in such a way that water could rain into the cavity because mm. they are hollow inside, but they're not supposed to be sure. full of water like that. And so I can only imagine how much water that thing must have been holding for it to finally break like that. And I wonder if it was that cold because the tree was dead. I mean, you know, there would maybe. be nothing keeping it, it warm. Was um, so I think the situation was that they had a really heavy rain that season and then the high winds came. And so the ground was all saturated yeah. and just took it, took it out. Far out. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know they say, um, that down here in Tennessee, uh, they used to have trees so big that when the first settlers came in, they would actually just dig out the interior of the tree and live in them. <laughs> I could see that. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, could you know? Oh man, my side of the mountain, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you've ever read that book, but it, the kid in the I've, book does that. I've heard of it. Um, read it to your kids; they'll love it. My side of the mountain. What the heck? That sounds really familiar. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down too. Yeah, that was one I, I read to my kids a lot when they were growing up. So, 
my kids turned out ridiculous and want me to make like acorn flour and stuff now. And I'm like, that's just the best thing ever. Like y'all are grownups and you know, bringing me bags of acorns. Look, mom, we can make acorn flour. Heck yeah, we can bring that in here. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to have to pick that up. Um, so what's been the biggest challenge in homesteading that you faced? Um, Okay, so definitely creating or being able to grow enough food to actually feed my family year round. We haven't reached that place. And that is difficult sure. when you rent. You know, it's it's hard when you don't have the just the sheer size um, garden that you need to produce enough. We we eat well off of it all year round, but it's just not quite enough. And that that's been frustrating um, and probably the biggest challenge. Uh, the the other challenge was like finding out I couldn't we couldn't till here, you know, and having to completely relearn a completely different way of gardening. I'd never done no till gardening before. Now I wish I'd known about it years ago because it's so much less labor. It's so much easier, you know, with the machine. No, you just go out there and we laid down paper and cardboard and and leaves and compost and dirt and boom done, plant in it. Happy go lucky garden. Um, I think, I think that's probably been the most difficult, um, and and trying to be respectful that this isn't our home and that we can't do maybe all the things that we'd want to do because it's it's not our land, and so being respectful of who owns it that's been difficult. Um, now, when I, we were homesteading when I was younger um, and the kids were little, calling the animals was my least favorite part because I have a friend, or, you know look at me. I'm ridiculous. You know, I'm out there. Oh, my baby's petting my rabbits, <laughs> you know? So that was, that would, I'd have to say be probably the hardest part is, is calling anything, but Hey, you do what you got to do to survive. And humanity did that forever and go to the grocery right. store and get it all wrapped in plastic and full of God knows what. Yeah. Who, who knows? Yeah. And who knows what that rabbit ate that got like that you know, to put it in the plastic, to put it in the store, to, yeah, who yeah. knows, full of junk. If you have, well, and, and think about, like, if you go to the store and you buy a, a piece of beef, I don't know how long it's been since you've eaten grocery store meat, but let me just tell you how disgusting it really, truly is. It's it slimy. It's this, got, like, stuff. It's crap. It's cooking out of it. And I asked the butcher, I was like, what is this crap coming out of our food, man? And he said um, that to the best of his understanding, it's because they are now feeding our cattle a primarily all soy diet. And he said, it's just soy pouring Yuck. out of it. And I'm like, man, that's, that's giving our little boys boogies and stuff. Like, you know, like, let's not do this. <laughs> this is sad. We need to be eating all that soy. We're not designed. Our bodies aren't designed to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. You can that's funny. You see fit. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, for people that want to know know more about that, you have to look up phytoestrogens and soy. So that's yeah. that's that's what that's what you're getting at there. <laughs> um, it, it, like we're getting soy out of real meat. Like you cannot tell me that there is not some agenda to like I don't know what they're doing to the American diet. But you can go into Europe and eat the same diet that we eat here in Europe and you will lose weight. Yeah. Here, like there, it's full of poison and crap and chemicals and 
And and every time we figure out that, hey, this is bad, they just change its name and change where they yeah. put it on the box. You know, it's 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 not fair. We're playing with a handicap. We need to know where our food's coming from. We need to know what's in our food. You know, it can take the time to grow a garden and then go get a carrot from the grocery store and get a carrot out of your bed and taste the difference. And you can do that with any vegetable, you know, and, and the same thing with go find a reputable cattle grower, raiser, whatever. And and then go and compare your meats. It's insane, the difference. And if, if people will take the time to do that, I, can, I just think there would be more people out in their front yards putting in a garden. I cannot understand why this does not hit priority, like like way up here for a lot of people. Really priority number one for us. Like yeah. this is important. Yeah. They, they don't really need to do the Beyond Burger or plant-based meats when uh, they're just feeding the cows soy. I mean, yep. they're, they're halfway there. So they're achieving the same. Who cares? Yeah. They don't care. No, they don't. They, care they pretty much, they, they got uh, half of what they want and that's good enough for them. Right. So. Yeah. Do you sure remember enough. early, early internet videos? This might've even been on YouTube where like they would pour. And I don't even remember if this is true. They would pour Coca-Cola on pork and like all these worms would come out. Do you remember these videos? I do. This I do. like I, I don't again, I don't remember if that ever came out as true or false, but man, that's weird. I can tell you that we tried it and we did not get worms out of ours. Well, that's probably good. Yeah, but of course my kids were, you know, pouring coke on it. And, but that that was also the period they went through. They were where they were like taking the rust off and nails and being like, Does anybody got a tooth? I'm like, no, everybody calm down, stop. <laughs> like <Good. so>. that's funny. <laughs> yeah well they learned that you can take rust off like the bumper of a car and stuff so like you know i've got my kids out rubbing coke on the headlights and stuff it was ridiculous <laughs> it's, no it's, a, it's it's not a soft drink it's a uh cleaning solution it's nasty it's terrible for when you when it can do that don't put it in your body you know kind of yeah like, i don't know i'm big on some water and some coffee that's those are my two things i we do a lot of tea as well, but like I don't with soft drinks and stuff, it is icky. We're kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the what's the best part about homesteading then? I just think, the food? I think so. I, I know it sounds silly, but I'm gonna just like I'm just gonna be really shallow here. It tastes so much better. Fun. You know, like it just tastes better. I feel yeah. better eating it. Oh yeah. That's for sure. I know that I will, um, it can be the difference between me having a really nasty flare up versus um, maybe not having a flare up at all. If I'm eating crap, I mean, I hurt my, I'll lose hand mobility. I can, um, I already have a difficult time speaking, especially in the evenings, which is why I think it's so funny that we're doing this in the evening because it's not my best time of day, but um, it really directly affects all of those things for me. And so um, if I keep my diet relatively healthy, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge sure. difference for me. And, you know, my feet don't burn as badly. I don't have, I don't have as, nearly as many um, shock sensations and, and all the fun shit that goes along with um, MS. And sorry about cussing, but MS makes you want to cuss. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's, it makes it's, a big difference. Yeah. What I think is funny is that 
people that don't have those conditions are like, well, I feel fine eating blah, 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 blah. But like they, they should almost they look at <laughs> that's true. They're not in they're not very in tune with how they feel. But also, why can't we look at some of these people that are more sensitive, such as yourself, mm-hmm. as like canary in the coal mine? We're like, well, yes, if you feel like crap eating that stuff, like maybe like even if I do feel fine, maybe I should, at le- you know, do better than what I'm doing. So. Well, and it's like so many people are out of touch with their food. Think about how many kids have been raised eating McDonald's chicken nuggets and they don't know any different. They felt like crap their whole lives. They have no idea they can even feel any better because they've never felt better. They never had that diet to be like, oh, wow, I can tell a difference. That's why I just encourage people to try because you will you'll start out and you'll grow like one plant and you'll be like, Oh, I'm a baby. And you'll take care of it. And, and, and it'll satisfy something inside of you. First off, it'll get you right here in the soul and then you'll taste it. And you will be like, I did this. And then you'll have this sense of satisfaction and you'll realize that, wow, this actually tastes good. And this makes me feel good. And then next year you've got two or three plants or, or maybe a whole container garden, you know, start and do what you can do wherever you are. If you're in an apartment, grow a container garden. If you're renting, see if your landlord will let you put a garden in. If you own your own property, for the love of Pete, go out and play in the dirt. Just do it. You will not regret it. What's what's the worst that's going to happen? That you go out there and be like, well, that didn't work. Oh, well, I got some vitamin D from being in the sunshine, some fresh air. Got my feet in the in the dirt. Like Got my hands. Got some dirt under my nails. I feel like a human again. You know, like unplug. Be, be in nature for a minute do it and just see, you know, what's like, really, what's the worst that's going to happen? You give up a few hours of your life. You're going to do uh, it anyway. What are you going to go yeah. troll Twitter longer? I mean, come on, get out here and play in the dirt. <laughs> go play in the dirt. I like that. Yeah. I, I love that last part for the love of Pete, go play in the dirt. I, if it, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I might, I might put that on a shirt or something like that. That I like that. Absolutely. With my blessing. That's, that's really, really <laughs> funny. Um, that almost that that whole uh, segment that you just that you just said wraps up the like, what would you tell people that want to get started like yeah. that, all of that. Yes. And from the bottom of my heart. And if you have a question, find me, DM me. I'll pop. We'll yak. You know, if find somebody <laughs> that loves it. They will talk with you endlessly. Oh my gosh, they'll just never shut up actually. So be careful, but but go find someone. They'll teach you. You can learn this. This is a learned skill. It takes practice. It takes time. It takes effort. You got to, you got to get, you're literally going to get what you give in your garden. So give it a little bit, see what you get. That is one thing that I really <clears throat> love me. about the, the farming community, like gardening community, all of it is that they're so willing to share the information that they have and Absolutely. They just want to see other people do what they do. And, um, but you also got to fail on your own too. Like you're not going to get oh, it yeah. right. And so you're going to have to screw it up. Just, you just got to stick with it and keep going, keep trying. Well, and I'll let people in on a little secret. If you grow something and you kill it, the dirt is still good. Pull that sucker out of there and put something else in it. <laughs> Like, ta-da, try again, for real. And, and put it in a pot, and then you can take the dirt with you. Take it inside. Grow something inside. You know, if bugs get to your stuff, but you really want some spinach, plant it in a pot, put it in your windowsill. Start small, but just start. 
I love that. Yeah. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to that we didn't get to talk about? Yeah, I, I do want to say one thing. Um, yeah. And it, it, it almost I don't even know how to bring it in, so I'm just going to say it. Sure. But um, there's a lot of freedom in Jesus, and I think that that is something that is, has nothing necessarily to do with gardening. But um, I just felt like I should share it. There's a lot sure. of joy there and there's a lot of peace. So that's something else that people can find when they're out in their gardens. And when they're doing this, it brings you closer to God. You have you reestablish a connection. And I don't know how else to say that, but it's important. And it's unsung and unappreciated by a lot of people. But I have felt so strongly this last bit that if you've known the Lord, he is calling his children back to him right now. Listen to that call, too. That's important. And that, that's what, that. That's it. <laughs> I was going to share a John Muir quote. He says, I'd rather be in the mountains thinking of God than in church thinking about the mountains. So it's kind of like your yes. time in the in the garden. Kind of like your like your mountain. Oh, but here. it is. Yes, exactly. And God is there. God is everywhere. You know, like I know the Bible says for not the forsake, not the gathering of the saints together. And I, I get that. That that does mean, yes, we should gather. We should go to church. But that's not not where God resides. God's here. This is your temple. Take care of your temple. He gave you this. It's a gift. He gave you the ability, the knowledge, the understanding. You can go out and grow and take care of yourself. And God will help you with all that. And so much more because it, it's, how do I put this? He can bring a closeness to you that you, you can find him in all things. Um, but take care of your temple. Take care of your body. And and remember to to appreciate where, where it all comes from. Appreciate where it all comes from. We're not just some little mistake that blipped here um, and, and here we are. We are created. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So, yeah, I guess that's that. <laughs> I love it. That's, cool. that's excellent. Where can people find you and ask you questions on milking goats or dealing with rabbits or gardening or any, any of it? Um, I am only on Twitter. That is my only social media that I use. But you can find me under Venema Moonbeam. And um, I'm sure once you find Venema Moonbeam, you'll look at my page and go, oh, yeah, that's her. <laughs> This is pretty much all just garden stuff. But um, awesome. yeah, that's that's it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time uh, with me and uh, sharing all your stories. I, I really love this. This was super fun. Thank you so, so much for having me. And thank you for letting me mourn my kitty yesterday. And I, I, I couldn't have come on here. My eyes were so swollen and puffy and I'm still swollen and puffy. But you know what? Like you said earlier, I, I'm I'm real and I'm here and this is it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sorry about your cat. Uh, I don't think that was uh, I picked up on that. I must have missed that last part that she uh, actually did pass um she did i thought oh, i'm sorry about that um, um you know what's really cool though is is we buried her and we buried a lily um over top of her and it started blooming today and it didn't look anywhere close to blooming when we planted it and i was just like oh that is such a gift that's kind of cool so it's the little things like that it really is it really is 
all the spaces in between and all the spaces in between well again uh, i appreciate appreciate your time tonight um i'm glad we could finally make this happen so me too uh, look forward to following more of your adventures uh as we go yeah. so absolutely um thank you for your time I am Matt DeRosier of Farm Hop Life. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and visit farmhoplife.com. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. We gone away, headed west for Montana. Left family and friends, all I got now is you. We both got new jobs, a house and a homestead, thinking this was the life, all that there'd be. After our firstborn, you had to stay home. That's when the work got in the way for me. Well, I started farm hop life. You'll come to your farm to help and to want. Truck and an RV, send us a message and.